Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Aaron, and you're listening to the Hang In With Haney podcast show. Today, I have my friend John Thomas Villanueva on to talk about business and economics during COVID-19, as well as some of the entrepreneurial work he's doing. Uh, He talks about three different projects that are really awesome. As well, we get into some of the non-business sides of this pandemic, uh, as well as diving into his two meme pages that he runs and talking just about some other fun stuff. I know it's a little longer than usual, but there's a lot packed in there, so I hope you enjoy. All right, welcome everyone to the Hangin' with Haney podcast show. Today we have the wandering memer, the entrepreneurial memer, Mr. CEO himself, Mr. Johnny T, JT, Don John, Mr. John (laughs) Thomas Villanueva. John, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah, of course. Thank you for coming on. This is, you know, a a pleasant uh, opportunity for me. I'm, I'm so excited. I know we both have finals coming up, but thank you for for making the time to do this, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Wouldn't be doing anything else. (laughs) (laughs) I feel you, brother. I feel you. So, so John, I just want to ask you, yeah, like, how are you doing with all of this right now? What's life been like for you these past few weeks? It's been surprisingly, um, I guess, really relaxing. Um, It's been like a big reset button. Um, it's been really busy pr- prior prior to all this whole pandemic. Been really busy with school, recruiting, uh, business conferences, just going, doing things, just a couple startups. But then this whole pandemic, just kinda, a like, couple, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry, this whole thing just kind of shut everything down, and you couldn't really do anything. And you just had a chance to come back to my family and just have a chance to just kind of really detox from all that. Just you know, do classes, but also have a chance to just kind of you know have spend more time in nature, uh, social distance, of course, but just you know, take a walk alone or just kind of relax, read some books. So it's been really good or work on a few skills to so go online and find some, I don't know, some classes, pick up some skills and just like learn a bit, uh, kind of better yourself. So it's been really good. It's been a good opportunity. Yeah, no, nice. I'm I'm glad. And yeah, I, as, as I talked about on my last pod with my guests, it, it has kind of been in a way, a little bit of a blessing in disguise, you know, it's kind of just a way to kind of slow things down, you know, from just the normal busyness of life. Yeah, it's been, uh, I know a lot of cities now, like with all the, everything being shut down, a lot of pollution's gone down. So yeah. like in LA, you can see a skyline now or in India where they can see mountains now from where they couldn't see before. So it's actually been, there's been a lot of really good things happening with it. Yeah. And animals are even returning. You know, I think <laughs> dolphins return to Italy. Um, I know some of the national parks especially in the u.s have talked about you know animals coming out more so it's crazy uh humans are the real virus actually (laughs) no um but no i I agree it is it is pretty beautiful and i hope after you know we we get this pandemic under control i still hope some of those benefits um can, can still be there after this you know i hope we can be more conscious about you know, the pollution that we're putting out and try to reduce it and to, you know, be respectful of wildlife and maybe slow, again, life down. Like, we don't have to be going 
a hundred miles per hour every day, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. no, yeah, there's definitely going to be an impact after this, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so John, before we get any further, I also kind of wanted to talk about, well, how, how do we know each other? And so what, how, what would you like to tell the people at home how you and sure. I first met? <laughs> so we met at a, um, a summer, I guess a suburban program at McCombs. And so you were a counselor. It was called MFEA, uh, McCombs Future Executive Academy. And so I actually signed up. That program was actually, I did that on a whim. I didn't even, I, I saw it online. The website was a little, um, it was a little sketchy, kind of old. <laughs> and so I just yeah. kind of, uh, I filled out the application. I, I didn't know if my, my stuff was my, all my details were going to get stolen, but I was like, well, might as well. And I, I didn't expect to get in, but then I got the email and I was like, oh, great. I guess, I guess I'm going. And so yeah. I actually originally that summer, I really wanted to do a bunch of, um, I guess, doctor medical like bio camps up in Notre Dame. And I got turned down for that. So ah. the real, I wouldn't be, I really, I don't know if I would be doing business if I didn't do MFEA. Uh, I've done some business camps before at like the University of Houston. They have a sort of version of of MFEA there. Mm -hmm. But um, MFEA, I saw it and I was like, you know what? I might might as well give it a shot, you know? And I went there and I was, I really enjoyed it. And that really impacted me and helped me choose uh, UT for where I went to college. Yeah. Oh, wow. No, that's, I didn't know. Yeah. Kind of that backstory. Um, Yeah. From just my side. Yeah. I had done uh, a business camp at uh, McCombs, the business school at UT that John and I both attended. Um, And yeah, I applied for one that was in accounting. It was called Dynamic. It stood for Discover Yourself in Accounting Majors and Careers. Same as you, website had not been updated a little bit like, whoa, okay. You know, is this legit or not? Um, Because it was free, you know, you didn't have to pay anything. And they're like, (laughs) you essentially come to the university for a week and we'll give you all these opportunities. And I was like, this seems a little too good to be true. But thankfully, it it was legit. And I did it. And then I had the opportunity to come back as a counselor, both for Dynamic and for MFEA. And that's where, yeah, I met John. And, you know, we've been friends ever since. yeah, I'm still friends of a lot of people from our um, from our groups, like Naidi, uh, Marte, um, mm-hmm. other people like that. So we're actually we still talk a lot. Um, a lot of us ended up going to the university, and I think the camp really played an instrumental role in that. So it was really a really good experience. Yeah, no, for sure. And shout out to those people. Love love you guys if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Charles Enriquez and Chelsea Bunn, the two directors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're awesome, awesome people. Um, and yeah, and again, I think the camp did work in, in kind of getting people interested in, in going to UT and going to Macombs. So it was very cool. Plus, you, uh, oh yeah, good. You have a win streak too, right? You have a, didn't you win every single time you were at the camp or as a counselor, you won the case competition? That That <laughs> is true. I, I, I don't mean to brag, but I do have a three for three record. You, you could basically call me. What the, a legend. You could call me the Michael Jordan of of the of business camps, you know. I, I three-peated, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I know, because I won as a camper myself. We won our, our competition, and then I won with both of my groups as, as a counselor. I did not tamper when I was a counselor. I provided help, but I was, you know, I let you guys do the work, and I would never take any of that work away from y'all. Y'all worked your butts off. And, and, you know, you guys won. You deserve the win. And do you want to kind of tell them just real quick a little bit about that and maybe about how 
after the competition, you all saw some results as well? Yeah, so when we got to the camp, we, we heard a little bit about the case competition from, I guess, the counselors or from people that have heard about it from other people. And, and so they, they heard, oh, the previous like, clients we would work with, because the, the case competition would actually work with real companies and you'd solve a real problem for them. So it was a really cool opportunity as a high schooler to have that. And so we heard, oh, there's like one time last year they did South by Southwest or they did some other tech company. And when we, we when they announced ours, we were all a little bummed out because it was an egg company. Um, you know, you're comparing it to other companies. It's like, well, I mean, just they just produce eggs, high end eggs. It's called um, Vital Farms. And so they, um, sorry, they they're an organic, cage free uh, range, uh, full range. Um, I'm not sure if I'm using the right terminology here. Um, uh, pasture raised. And so they really treat their hen, they treat their chickens really well, and that's their selling point. And Pasture, pasture raised. That's it. Uh, they 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 were actually really strict with their um, terms. They had this brand book, so you couldn't call the the chickens chickens. You have to address them as hens or girls. So that was really interesting. But that was their selling point. And I I'll, I'll have to shout them out. Their eggs are actually really good, but they are they are they are quite expensive. They are double, if not more, the price of regular eggs. And so we they, we had to help set up like a, a marketing strategy for them to target more people in the middle upper class. So, you know, women going shopping for their families or people going out, families going to a shopping st- the store, trying to buy healthy foods, people that would be conscious and actually care about these issues. So they'd be willing to spend the money for it. And so we ended up uh, winning that competition. And it's because our strategy was really, I guess, far different and out of the box from everyone else's. Um, we, our strategy involved going to community fairs, going, getting engaged with community, going, working with local organizations but also had a lot of tech in it. So we, we had um, a VR system where we would set up VR cameras at the farms and then people could put on these headsets and actually like be at the farms and see how well the chickens were being treated. So that was something that was really, that was really cool. And that won the judges over and we had like mascots and merch. So it was actually, it was a super cool solution. And it was funny actually last semester. So two, three years after this, I was at the, uh, career fair for McCombs and I saw Vital Farms there and they were recruiting and it turns out they um, they ended up doing a lot of uh, actually implementing the proposals that we suggested so I've been to the store before and I saw they had these little slips of advertising and they had a QR code you could scan you could actually go to the farm and like view it so they actually ended up using what we were what we suggested and then they were recruiting and they had all these mer- all that merch and the company had grown tremendously since we last worked on it because when we started it was just a small startup but now they were hiring, they were using high school students then, but now they're actually hiring MBA students. I was talking to the recruiter. That's the type of interns they're hiring. And so I told them my story and they gave me a whisk. So I have a brand. <laughs> so that, that's yeah. what I got out of it. <laughs> no, nice. And, and, and a t-shirt, you know, they and used your ideas and they're like, yeah. here's a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but no, that was, it was awesome. And I remember when you texted our group that and it's, you texted them like a picture I think it was you or it might have been someone else who said the picture of the headsets. And I was like, that was our idea. Your- yeah, that was ours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so, yeah. Yeah, it was good. Uh, that is great. And it's, it's been a pleasure knowing you ever since. You and I are both involved at the University Catholic Center. So we were both on the Longhorn Catholic Council, you as the treasurer for two years now, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. And this is my second year, and I know you were president for, was it two years? or? I was president for one year and the head okay. of social media for the other year. 
So okay, but yeah, so it was good. It was good. So uh, all right, well, John, you know, I also wanted to kind of, you know, put our business background into use for a second, and I wanted to talk to you a little about the economy and businesses right now, if you will. Uh, now, obviously, you and I aren't economists, and we're not qualified to make any statements people should truly follow. Um, but what yeah, don't you, trade on this. Yeah, don't don't trade on this. So, uh, but what but what are your thoughts on you know really what's going to happen after all of this kind of returns to normal? Well, I guess when we look at the current crisis right now, we really have to look at I guess the root cause of it, and mm -hmm. so current economic crisis is really honestly spurred by this health health crisis, healthcare crisis, this pandemic. And so previously, if you look at, um, I guess if you look at, um, if you look at the past, we were able to, prior to the whole quarantine pandemic, coronavirus thing, we were at a all time high historically. The stock market was doing really well. You know, we were at all time low unemployment numbers, uh, manufacturing was coming back, uh, the economy was doing really well. And then all of a sudden this virus hit. And with this, uh, with the virus, as a result of that, we had to put on lockdowns. We had to go do some quarantines. Um, we had to shut down businesses. And mm -hmm. that is what really caused this whole, the economy to really go down the drain. Uh, now we're, we had a dramatic drop in the stock market. Uh, we've lost a lot of jobs. A lot of businesses are closed. Businesses are bleeding money. And so really, if you look at the crisis, the crisis, the economic crisis right now wasn't caused there was no economic cause for the crisis. This crisis was, in a sense, artificially caused by a pandemic, and this pandemic had economic effects that spilled over. So theoretically, if we were able to deal with this, the root cause of this economic crisis, that being the virus, if we fix it, we deal with it, the economy can hopefully begin to recover and hopefully get back to where it was. Um, but that's in a perfect world we're hoping where everything will just go back to normal. But in reality, the world's not perfect, and there's definitely going to be some changes. And if we look at the potential impact of COVID-19, what, what I really believe will be the main impact would be consumer behaviors. Mm -hmm. uh, people are going to be more conscious of sanitation, uh, maybe the for travel industry, for example, the cruise industry, um, they didn't really get a good reputation out of it. People would be more reluctant to go into that. You know, you're stranded at sea, stuck in your small rooms. So the cruise industry will definitely take a hit. Um, I travel, the travel industry will definitely um, be impacted by COVID-19 in the future. Um, airlines, you know, people may be potentially now more reluctant to fly, you know, being in such cramped conditions and concerned about sanitation. And as well, maybe older Americans don't want to be at risk, so they'll reduce, they won't have as much demand. And as well, maybe the airlines themselves will reconsider their business strategy. Right now they have very, um, their margins are very thin right now and they have, you know, they have a lot of planes but either lease or they, or they, um, or they buy, but they're, the depreciation's going on constantly. So even if you're not flying them, you're still paying for them. And mm -hmm. so the airline industry might want to restructure their business uh, strategy and as well as demand for the airline industry. And related to that also would be the oil industry. Um, I heard, I think last week or this week, a Shell, first time ever, they had a historic dividend cut and their staff won't get any bonuses. And this is really surprising, especially with, well, not surprising that we're in a pandemic, but typically oil is seen as a safe stock for um, investors that will always give dividends. But Shell, for the first time ever, cutting their um, cutting their um, dividends really sh um, shook the market, especially being one of the large the largest company in Europe. And so mm -hmm. that they're anticipating is that what they're anticipating at least 
is that there's going to be a permanent change in demand in the en energy industry for this. The same thing, the telecommunication industry um, with Zoom, all these um, communications platforms with people changing their consumer behaviors, people will more likely just communicate. And so Zoom might become a staple of um, communication. People, it'll, it'll become a, a vital infrastructure versus, um, you know, instead of traveling to another place just for a couple meetings, you know, you can just do your meeting online or you just, yeah, just do your meetings online. And I guess a little bit, there's less stigma around video conferencing. So, you know, people, you know, why, you know, I don't want to work from home. I don't want a video conference. I actually want to meet my team in person now. I mean, you might be less likely, you know, I don't, we don't need to grab everyone together to like rent a meeting room and actually show up, especially for group projects for me. Mm -hmm. I'll just schedule a time and we'll just, you know, I, you can video conference from anywhere, you know, your, your dorm, the library, uh, your class, anywhere. Yeah. Video conference. And with that, you know, work from home is, I feel like is that's going to be another impact um, in the economy after, after COVID-19 is that people are going to be more, I guess, willing, employers are going to be more willing to let uh, workers work from home. So, you know, before, you know, they want you to stay in office, they want you to show up to the office, they actually, you, know, you have to clock in, clock out. Now people maybe will just give you tasks and you just have to finish them, you know, show up for meetings. We don't have to show up. And that might change, especially the dynamic of office settings. You know, mm. companies might turn towards more, um, I guess, sharing office spaces. You know, instead of having a dedicated office, you know, a full-time capacity, why not just have an, a building that can only hold half your employees at a time, but you expect not all your employees to be in one place at the same time. So um, companies can save money. And so that could hurt the, I guess, the, uh, the uh, leasing industry, the commercial building industry. And then finally, one of the impacts of COVID-19 is that it really showed us the weaknesses of a supply chain in the U.S. So really, it was a big stress test for supply chain. And we were able to hold it together pretty well, but it really showed the weaknesses of globalization and the reliance on foreign trade. So, for example, relying on China or, you know, South America or other or maybe you know, India for parts or medicine or food being um, it shows us how with all this globalization, get lower prices. It's good trade but at the same time you also if there's a pandemic like this your supply chain is so complex and so overarching that if one small change you can actually knock the whole thing down so um one example of this would be even in the u.s like the uh, for example the um the milk industry they have too much milk they're just dumping milk down the just they're throwing the milk away and the reason is that it's because the supply chain right now is broken they can't send it no one's buying it and they can't store it and they ask oh why can't you just donate the milk well, it's not that easy. You can't you can't ship a thousand gallons of unprocessed milk to a to a food center. You actually have to process it, and the thing is that costs money, and you have to transport it, and there have to be buyers. There is a supply chain, but it's mm -hmm. so complex. It's not simple, and there's so many there's so many moving parts and processes that it's impossible to really just just fix it, switch it over here, and do that. It's actually, it actually takes a lot, and so that's one thing that this COVID nineteen has shown us, and that might potentially impact the economy in that make supply chains more centralized in the U.S., might cost more, so that might impact spending. But at the same time, with it more centralized in the U.S., might bring back more jobs, so that's a potential. And also being able to strengthen our, make it simpler, and I guess in the U.S., so it's less um, vulnerable to um, effects and events such as, you know, political instability, um, you know, war, or even um, war or natural disasters like this pandemic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for Professor John for breaking it down for us like that. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. And I think a world record for like just information put into the <laughs> small smile frame. 
But no, thank you for, for bringing that up because I think, yeah, there's a lot of truth in what you had said, particularly, yeah, one of the things I've noticed was like with the travel industry, yeah, there will be like a certain stigma around it, especially with older people. And I know like for myself, you know, I came back to San Antonio and I kind of got stuck here because of the virus and flights were getting canceled, getting changed. And it is kind of interesting because, you know, they're consolidating and they're putting, you know, canceling more flights and putting more people on the same plane. But in a sense, that's causing even more worry because it's like, well, I don't want to get on a crowded, cramped plane with everyone. So like, I would have rather taken a flight with like less people, but that's more costly to the airlines, you know? And so that's going to be hard. Um, And as well too, as, as you know, you were talking about, you know, Zoom and whatnot. It is very interesting how, yeah, we've adjusted pretty quickly to this. It maybe hasn't been an easy adjustment for a lot of people, but look, you and I right now are using Zoom. And before (laughs) this pandemic, you know, I didn't even know Zoom really existed except for once a project, you know, member suggested it. And yeah, but it's it's crazy too. Um, And one thing I wanted to get your thoughts on was it's crazy how Zoom you know, I, I really had not heard of it until last fall. And even then I was like, no, let's just use Google Hangouts or Skype. And we ended up using yeah. Skype. How has Zoom, do you think, come to gain so much prominence? Because I would have thought Skype would have just been on top of this and jumping on this. I, I thought Skype was going to be the mainstay. So yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that? With Zoom is that if you look at, I guess, other tech companies or really any business, it, it's getting consumers to adopt your product first. So this telecommunications, telecom, it wasn't a big industry. There were market players and Zoom was a small player. But with this pandemic, all of a sudden there was this large, it suddenly expanded the market. So before maybe, you know, you had, like for example, 10 people, um, you know, actually needing Zoom. Now you need a hundred, there's a hundred people that need your product or need a telecommunications product. So you have potentially like a 10 times expansion. So pretty much, honestly, the entire United States now needs telecommunications um, technology. And so looking at Zoom itself, I mean, when I first uh, got Zoom, it was super easy. I just downloaded it and I just typed in. I, you don't even need a, an account sometimes. You just put your name in and you can sign in and participate in Zoom. And the, the interface is really nice and easy. It's got a lot of features. So it's actually really smooth. I, I really like the interface. It's got a lot of features. You you can have up to a thousand people on here. You can record, you can chat. And looking at other platforms like Skype, uh, Google Hangouts, they all they have the same uh, capabilities, some of them. So some similar features of so video conferencing, audio conferencing, chat. But some of them, Zoom did it in a way that, they packaged it in a way that was, I guess, more optimal for the consumer. So it was very mm-hmm. consumer centered. Yeah. So I guess an example would be Skype. I, I, I used to use Skype a lot, but it's just got, it's so complicated. Yeah. Um, I, I just, they, they packed a ton of features in, but it wasn't really, you know, synchronized and it was just really hard to use the app. The interface wasn't great. It was okay. It was usable, but you know, it was just, it just took a lot of effort. Zoom for me is really easy. Just type in the meeting name and you just, boom, you're in the meeting and they have security features. They have, you know, the grid view, they have speaker view, they have virtual backgrounds. No, I, I don't, I have not seen another telecommunications platform of that feature. Yeah. And it was free. So that was a great hook. 
you know, it was free, you know, and then it was up cap to 40 minutes. So once they got you relying on it, it's like, oh, might as well pay. And so then you end up buying the product and paying for it. So that was the beauty of it. And so looking at other, and with that, with this whole new market share, they were able to get a lot of, um, with this whole new market, they were a lot, they were able to get a, a big market share quickly. You know, mm-hmm. other people, they just kind of, they kind of knew about the other, um, they kind of knew about Google, they knew about Google Hangouts, they knew about Skype, they knew about other technologies, but with uh, a lot of people really liking Zoom, people got on board really fast. And I think, yeah. especially with the thousand people limit, that a lot of organizations got that. And with that, um, and as a result of that, uh, with network effects, you know, people mm-hmm. started piling on. It's like, oh, Zoom's actually great. And so with the simplicity of it, they're able to secure a market share and actually eclipse some of the, the previous competitors in the market that were bigger than them. And now they're one of the top companies. And being, um, I guess, being able to charge major corporations um, for, with contracts. I mean, Zoom is, an act- is actually a little pricey. I think it's $15 for a one-month pro membership. It's actually... Actually, it's more expensive than a uh, Netflix or Hulu, so I was yeah. surprised at the price. But you know, imagine an organization with thousands of employees buying this. this is a million-dollar product, and so Zoom with that contract signed, and I don't know what payment terms. That's a big cash inflow or promise of cash inflows in the future. That mm-hmm. and the value of the company really shot up of that. And so I guess really the key to Zoom was that they were very customer-facing. They're all their technology, there, there wasn't really anything revolutionary about it. I mean, maybe in the back end, maybe some algorithms, but if you look at the features individually, they're all really, they're all, every, anyone can copy it, you know? Yeah. Back, virtual backgrounds, uh, chat, you know, using a simple number to type in, easy downloads, anyone could copy that. But they put it together in a package and then, and they, they existed before, but this pandemic was their opportunity. And with that, they were able mm-hmm. to grab a lot of a new market. And that big market eventually just expanded and expounded on itself and eventually captured a majority of the market. Yeah. But they're not, they're not safe yet. Um, a lot of companies are now, you know, they're trying to launch their own products. I think Facebook launched a competitor to like they FaceTime. They did, yeah. Um, I think, I think um, maybe some of the other bigger corporations might. I know Google Hangouts is being used by a lot of corporations still, so that might be another competitor. But I have a feeling that Zoom, with its uh, as a, a vital infrastructure, essentially vital infrastructure now for the business world and I guess for the whole for all of the whole world really telecommunications, I have a feeling they might be potentially acquired by Amazon or another big company to incorporate it into their suite of products. Yeah, so that's, that's my theory. Yeah, no, I I agree, and just yeah, the the Zoom killer, as some people are calling it, is yeah, Facebook's messenger rooms that they're unveiling, and what's it called? Unlike Zoom, whose normal free version has a forty minute maximum uh, meeting time, uh, this one has no time limit on it, and obviously they're still playing catch up, but who knows? They could kind of surpass zoom it just depends yeah it's and, hard to get because zoom is now i guess they've solidified themselves in the market i mean companies yeah. have already you already paid for it so yeah. why would you go over to facebook and i guess with facebook being a social media platform you know i don't, I don't know if you would want to do business on a yeah you know, it's like hey can i snapchat uh call you you know yeah so, exactly i don't know some people zoom is a professional um tool i think it's it's a professional meeting platform versus you know yeah a tool it's a it's a utility versus google hangouts which is like a hybrid between social media like mm-hmm. uh, for friends and then like real business and then there's of course you know like facetime on your iphone where it's really you could do calls but it's hard to do like a group call on there yeah 
No, exactly. So, and I, th- I couldn't agree more with you with your reasoning behind uh, Zoom's prominence. I mean, I think it was kind of that kind of crouching tiger, hidden dragon kind of effect in that it was like they had this great user interface that was user-friendly and they had all this awesome functionality, like you brought up, thousand people, you know, limits to group meetings, but they just didn't have a lot of prominence and people were already using Skype, Google Hangouts. So there was no need for Zoom. But then once they came in, people were like, oh, look at this. This is this other alternative product that is a lot better for all of us. And so they were able to, you know, steal some of that market share from Skype and be, you know, come into the forefront. But as you said, we'll see whether or not, you know, they can keep this leadership position uh, with Facebook and with other competitors. So it'll be interesting, my friend. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I have a feeling they'll be acquired. I mean, they have such a strong market share right now and user base. I mean, it would make sense for like Amazon to acquire, maybe even Facebook. Yeah. Amazon, Amazon stock will be its all-time high right now. They've got a lot of cash in their reserves. They could acquire Zoom, and that's my theory. Maybe it'll be acquired by Google or Amazon. So, yeah. Yeah. No, no, for sure. So we'll, we'll have to see. It'll be interesting. <laughs> but also, too, real quick, just uh, don't want to spend too much time talking just about the economy and business, although love doing that with you. But I just also wanted to share some other things, uh, looking at Robinhood, um, the investment apps, uh, Snacks weekly email. Um, they talked about who's up. Well, obviously, Netflix. They added uh, 15.8 million paying subscribers last quarter, more than double the 7.2 million expected, uh, which is crazy. And they really have been trying to stock their inventory with so many different movies. I know the movie Uncut Gems, uh, the Sadfi Brothers drama with Kevin Garnett and Adam Sandler is coming on. And when I saw that on the list, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be awesome. Um, So that's exciting, as well as Domino's. Uh, Domino's, they have actually been hiring more people. They hired 10,000 more pizza uh, employees to help. And instead of kind of slowing things down, they're actually stepping on the gas pedal. Uh, And sales jumped 7% during this kind of economic lockdown in March and April, which is crazy. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, in terms of business thriving during the pandemic, I think basically anyone selling basic necessities is going to be doing really well. So like Costco, Walmart, HEB, those uh, grocery stores, those big bulk stores, they're going to be, they're going to do really well. Um, recently, I've looked at some of their stocks. They haven't dropped at all, and they're actually steady, if not higher than ever. Um, again, related to basic necessities, uh, restaurants with food delivery options are definitely doing really well. So like mm-hmm. Domino's, like you said or other businesses, but at the same time, they're also hurting from the loss of normal revenue. Yeah. So that's something that balances out. So I'm not sure, I don't know the exact numbers, but that's something to keep in mind. Um, online shopping has been thriving during this online pack, uh, uh, pandemic. Um, so for example, Amazon, as I mentioned before, all time high, um, people buying online, cause you just, you can't go outside and shop. And like I mentioned earlier, how this uh, whole economic crisis right now really is a, a the root cause of it is the pandemic. Um, there is no, there was no actual economic cause. So people, the demand essentially was was suppressed, but it's still there. And so people still 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 want to buy things. 
And so Amazon is one of the outlets that they're able to use. Surprisingly, when I was looking at stocks to potentially invest in, one I saw was waste companies, um, mm. people at home, these companies being insulated from this whole pandemic situation. I mean, someone still has to take the trash out. I mean, obviously they are essential workers and they are exposed, mm. but you know, there's still waste being generated. You still have to throw stuff away. So that's actually something that, that's an interesting um, opportunity for investment. Um, however, I think it's already been priced in, but that's something, that's a business that's still been, really hasn't lost any demand, any payment. Yeah. Did you get in on those waste stocks? I did not. I did not. <laughs> I found out afterwards. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like us all. It's okay. Yeah. So. I, in terms of stocks, I'm looking, I'm looking at investing now. I would look for suppressed hospitality stocks. Mm. So, you know, potentially hotels, business, um, you know, restaurant chains, stocks where the price has dropped really low. Obviously, the stock will drop, but it's dropped unreasonably low. So that it's you'll artificial. Be able, it's artificial. You know, yeah. people are scared. And so I know a stock I made, one of the stocks I made over, when I last checked, it was over double. Uh, I made like 117% return. Was a, it was like a franchising company that did um, Burger King joints. Mm. And so not really, not a lot of people looking at it. And their stock dropped, I think, below a dollar. And so I bought a, a bit of it. And then it bounced back. And even though the market's moving up and down right now, it's still above that. So I've already made a profit. And so, but I'm hoping to get four or five times return. So yeah. this opportunity right now, the volatility is so high, you could actually make returns of two times, three times right now if you play your cards right. But again, wow. the volatility is high. So you have to be careful. Um, I bought a couple Uber and Lyft stocks a few days ago just to try and get in. And I've lost a bit of money on that because mm -hmm. they've gone down. Because yeah. a few days ago, um, the uh, market jumped, I think it was like some crazy 5% and then all of a sudden it dropped back down the next day. So you never yeah. know. <laughs> you never know. And again, that's the hard thing with this pandemic is just because we haven't seen anything like this in the past hundred years. And so yeah. how the market is going to react, especially with these new age uh, businesses and technologies, yeah. like obviously Uber, Lyft, you know, Grubhub, DoorDash, those weren't even a thought back then or like in the recent, yeah. even within the last 30 years. And so it's hard to tell what's going to happen with them like during this time, but yeah. hopefully afterwards they'll see, you know, some Absolutely. market correction and return up to that normalcy. So Yeah. Like other companies that are doing really well would be like oil tanker companies and storage companies, especially with this mm -hmm. oil glut. Uh, they have to store the oil somewhere. And so these companies, the stocks were really low and then someone figured out that they were actually I mean, really in demand and their stock shot up. Yeah. Um, consumer manufacturing companies are doing well. So like PNG, I think Clorox is doing really well. So these companies that they manufacture cleaning products or health, like just standard household products have been also been pretty stable and doing well. Uh, telecommunications companies have been thriving. So Zoom stock, all time high. Mm -hmm. um, that was really good. Um, if they are acquired, you would make a handsome premium if you did buy some of their stocks. So definitely would recommend if they do drop potentially buying some uh distance education companies definitely getting in on this uh, surprisingly alcohol companies record sales yeah um, oh yeah especially in <laughs> texas i think yeah. we, <laughs> you know uh everything's bigger in texas yeah. as they say you know especially alcohol sales <laughs> so. yeah and then finally pharmaceutical companies i've seen have been doing pretty well i've been having some good returns with them um, again, it is a mixed bag. Some pharmaceutical companies, the stock goes up 20, 30%. The rest just kind of sit there and some of them go down because the pharmaceutical industry is, um, is incredibly complicated. It's a very incredibly complicated um, industry. Yeah. Yeah. No. 
Well, thank you for sharing all that, everybody. John Thomas, my new financial advisor. So, <laughs> uh, and yours too for the low, low cost of twenty nine ninety nine a month. Ah, <laughs> so, uh, man. Maybe I'll make a new Instagram account. There, there you go. There you go. <laughs> So, which I want to, I definitely will bring up later in this pod, but, uh, you know, before we get onto that, you know, uh, you have always been a man with a business plan. And even from when I first met you, I knew you were working on some business project. And so I kind of wanted, you know, even during this pandemic and maybe even before the pandemic, what type of project, uh, were you working on or are you working on? So one, one um, I guess everything's on hold now of the pandemic, but one uh, business plan that I was exploring before was an education consulting company called MJM. And so me and my, one of my future roommates, we were partnering, we were planning on partnering and we we're planning on launching this education consulting company in Brownsville. So that's wow. where he's from. And so he's got, he, from what he told me is that th there's a lot of demand there for higher end um, educational consulting for colleges, but the supply is very low. He said in his town, there's only like one person that does it. So competition is low and he charges a lot. So there's an opportunity for us. And my friend, he's got a reputation there. Cause you know, it was like a, he went to like a, a smaller high school and all the parents know him and they saw him succeed. He's over here at UT and he's doing really well. And so they saw that and they want him to help out their kids. And so this presents an opportunity for us. So we're planning on, you know, using him with local contacts to develop a sort of, I guess, a business. Um, we're planning on developing maybe a curriculum for ACT and SAT tests, uh, maybe running some mock tests, offering guidance in the college process, helping with resumes and college essay writing. And again, we're targeting, I guess, instead of doing quantity, we're planning on doing, I guess, a smaller amount of um, students, but really focusing on the higher end market, so a niche market. And so from his experience, what he told me was that he didn't have anyone to help him in the college process. Like he didn't find out about the SAT until like a month before he was, he had to take it. So he signed up right at the deadline and he um, ended up taking it and he did really well. And, but he didn't know about any of this. He's just, he was just a really smart guy. Yeah. Wow. So we're planning on it. Uh, we were planning on, we're planning on, I guess we're planning on launching that company to try and help other students out in that area, especially it's such uh, there's not that many college advising services out there and so yeah wow that is beautiful man and no that yeah. sounds like an awesome project uh and yeah. yeah using your your skills and like again finding this opportunity and you know an opportunity to do good during especially you know helping out under not underprivileged kids but just kids who yeah may not have the same knowledge or the same resources as others yeah. would so that is beautiful he actually, uh, I know his dad actually helping him out with that, but he, his dad hooked one of his friends up with a couple kids that wanted, I guess, tutoring help. And his friend made a, made a good amount of money off of that. And so that was kind of our market test. And we saw that there was a market. So hopefully we can expound on that. So he kind of, he's kind of already tested the market. So we're planning hopefully on launching later this year, if not next year, but it just, it's just all up in the air, but we'll see. Nice. Well, if you need another investor, let me know. I <laughs> love to look at the numbers, yeah. uh, be, you know, get in on this equity while I can. So <laughs> I would, I would get on this other one. So the other one is a, it's called all right dining because it's not fine dining. It's just all right. So it's a, it's a hot food vending machine service. 
And so, but it produces, um, it sells fast food, but it's, it's real food. So it's like hot food, it's like a meal. You can buy a whole meal, but it's going to come out really quick. And the emphasis is on speed and quality. So it's for like students on the go, uh, you know, travelers, people that are in a hurry, but they want a real meal that they can eat. And I guess that that's just from me, because whenever I have early morning classes and I get out of bed and walk into class and I, I don't have enough time to make breakfast, but I want a, like a hot meal, all the restaurants are closed. Or when I'm at lunch and I have, I only have 30 minutes for lunch and I, I want to, you know, study, you know, I don't want to wait in line. The food truck lines can get really long. You have to wait, you know, maybe seven, 10 minutes for your food. What if I could just make this an automated kiosk that would just sell you food, like a hot, you get yourself a taco or a burger or something in like a minute. So that's something that I want to tap into. So people on the go that want to get their food really fast. And so we're thinking of developing like an automated, um, either a kiosk or maybe a, like a box system like the Amazon lockers that have hot food in them and finding out a way to be able to dispense hot food really quick. So to eliminate the wait time and as well as get rid of the overhead. So no staff, it's just purely automated and with a smaller footprint. So instead of having a whole store of a kitchen, it's just going to be this machine. So it'll have, you'll have less rent to pay, less, hopefully less mm -hmm. power, um, less staff, less overhead in general, but being able to still meet that demand. Yeah. But hopefully if you can drive those costs down, you'll be able to make a profitable venture and you'll be able to have this really cool piece of technology. And this technology exists. Um, I went to Japan last summer and they had the exact machines I'm talking about. They, wow. they have like soup coming out of them. They have curry coming out of them. So it's really cool. And I know uh, I've talked to some people and they were like, oh yeah, they had in the seventies, they had these machines that would make burgers for you. So this technology already exists. So we can find a way to utilize that technology and put it in like zoom, make it uh, very consumer friendly and make it produce food really fast, really quickly, but it's good food. I think that would be a hit that that would be a hit and yes please put me on that call list when you're looking for investors and or <laughs> business partners because i would love to get in on that with you man that is awesome so well good 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 and as well i believe i saw you're working on a new project called agape community yeah is that correct agape. yeah yeah so agape community what what it really is at its core is a communications uh, platform for like the community at a university for university Catholic centers across the U.S. Mm. And so agape, you know, our name is is the Greek Christian term referring to love, you know, the highest form of love and charity, like um, universal unconditional love. And so it's a Greek word, and the Greeks have four types of love. So there's philia, storge, uh, agape, and eros, which I might have mispronounce some of those but essentially they refer to friend family god and spouse and agape refers to the god one but it's ultimately it's really just the highest form of love unconditional love and that's what we wanted to model our platform about so really for this, with the platform we want people to have the ability to connect make friends keep track of events contact staff members you know share posts items chat and that's what we really want agape to do to be able to foster community to build community in catholic like catholic centers to really grow them and the one of the really core tenets of our platform is that we want to encourage people to meet up to, to get off the platform actually to actually meet and so for example it'd be perfect for welcoming new freshmen into the community just new students getting them into the community and so some features we've talked about with some of our team are like this is um feature where we, you you would match with someone and you would go out and get coffee and you know, just get coffee with them and chat, or you go and get lunch with them, something like that. So you'd be able to meet up, be able to like put your name in a list and be able to meet other people and just 
talk, you know, just develop community. You get to know other people. Um, And you might think it's a clone of Facebook or other social media sites. And in a sense it is, but we, the, the re at, at its core, we really, we don't plan on making a profit from this. It's really a service Mm -hmm. to the community and we want to customize it to achieve the mission of Catholic centers across the country, especially at universities. So it is a social network, but we want to be able to really drill down the features so that it's really focused on what is needed. So really fostering community, getting people off our platform instead of on, instead of driving ad revenue, we want people to foster, we want people to make friends, to find other people to connect with. And our got right now we're using uh, open source code and we're working on a prototype. It's currently web-based, but we're hoping once we get the web version working, we can narrow down the features we really want. And then from there, move on and go towards developing an iOS app or uh, Android apps. And it's, it's, it's pretty complicated right now. So yeah. I'm used to building from my background, building static web pages, but this is a new step for me in that it uses dynamic uh, databases. So I'm using PHP and SQL, which are some coding languages, which I barely have any experience with. So right now we're working on our features, just trying to understand all the documentation for this code, um, getting a web service uh, set up and having a demo out soon. But we're working, I'm working with people at the at our Catholic Center at UT and some friends around Houston and Austin. And it's just still a work in progress, but it's something that we're really excited about. That is, that is awesome. I'm, I'm excited for it. And no, yeah. I totally get what you're saying and that it's like, it is kind of a pseudo social networking kind of application like Facebook and whatnot, but it is very precise in nature and that it's aiming towards a certain goal. And I really love that. And that is beautiful, man. Very agape like of, <laughs> of you guys. So uh that is awesome. That is awesome. So everyone be sure to be on the lookout for these next big business ideas. Yeah. Um you'll you I'm sure you're gonna see John soon on Forbes uh what's it called? Thirty under thirty list. Uh so just be on the lookout for that. John, don't uh please, you know, be sure to come back on the pod, you know, once yeah. once you've made your millions. Uh would love to have you back. <laughs> it's been really interesting. Uh, Agape, I've been getting offers for people trying to join the team or for funding. And so I'm barely started. And it's really nerve wracking because people are like, oh, we'd like to, you know, explore funding your startup. And I'm like, I don't think you understand that it's a nonprofit, but uh, <laughs> sure. If wow. you, we'll, t- we'll take the funding. I don't know if you'll get it back, but <laughs> yeah. Wow. wow. Dang. That's, that is awesome, yeah. man. No, that is great. And I wish you the best of luck in that because that is a good, wholesome product. So thank you. Yeah. Well, also uh, talking about good, wholesome products, I'd love to talk to you about your Instagram accounts. Yeah. Particularly you have three Instagram accounts and what are, what are their names? So the first one is wandering memer. Then there's entrepreneurial memer. And then there's my personal account. Yeah, just my name. <laughs> yeah, and can you tell us a little bit about what you post on these accounts, or particularly, you know, your your memer accounts? Yeah, so wandering memer is really primarily for my travel photos, and so part of, one of the things I really like to do is to take photos and videos, and it's, it's a little bit of my hobby. I'll take photos of landscapes, videos of architecture, you know, skylines, events, anything interesting that looks aesthetic or would be interesting for people to see or something that I would be interested in looking back on in the future. And so I also travel a lot for recruiting, for business conferences, work, uh, when I, if I go on a vacation with my family or visit um, other family members or friends in different parts of the United States or the world, I'll travel and I'll take photos then. And over time I've amassed 
quite a, a quite a lot of photos and videos, but the thing is no one would ever really be able to enjoy them. You know, they're locked away on a computer or a hard drive somewhere. And I realized that a few years ago when I was cleaning out my phone and I realized these are beautiful pictures, but I'll, I'll barely be able to, I'll rarely, no, I'll barely be able to share them or rarely have a chance to show people them. You know, maybe I'll make it my desktop wallpaper, mm-hmm. but that's it. And so I wanted to have, a, I guess, a channel or a way to be able to showcase my photos and let others really enjoy them. You know, I mean, these are beautiful places in the world and I think mm-hmm. it's great to share them. And at the same time, I didn't want to spam my own personal account. So, and I wanted to give people a choice, you know, so if you don't want to, if you don't want to see my photos, that's fine. You don't have to follow Wandering Memer. And that's why I created the Wandering Memer account. And so it's just a, a place for me to guess I post some of my travel photos and just show people where I've been and just show, I guess, show the world, the beauty of where I've been, some of the amazing places in nature I've seen, um, companies I've visited, some of their offices, if they'll let you take photos. Um, yeah. Or events I've been to. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Nice. So great. Yeah. And now, uh, well, yeah, and it, they are beautiful photos, and I've I've really enjoyed seeing them. So, so yes, please keep up the good work on that. Uh, but also, uh, you also run again another one of my favorite accounts, which is the entrepreneuring memer or entrepreneurial memer. Entrepreneurial memer, yeah. Yes, and and that has got to be one of the funniest accounts I've ever seen. I love every video you put out and I actually cannot wait to see the next one. Uh, (laughs) Why don't you tell the people at home what they're kind of about? Yeah. So entrepreneurial memer is a a parody account. And so I put pictures or videos on there and they parody those, I guess, so-called entrepreneurs or money gurus with their little, you know, their get rich, uh, get rich quick schemes or their, you know, sign up for their plans and their master classes and you pay them for to be mentored you know, I, I call them entrepreneurs, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. a new term that's been around on the web. Yeah. And I mean, they have some valid points, you know, they occasionally do teach business lessons, but a lot of it's really just common sense, or you can Google it or get it free on YouTube or really just read some business books. And so, you know, they'll say, Oh, spend 700, 10, uh, $1,000 to invest in yourself, you know, do my masterclass, my program, and you know, you'll do my 10 steps and you'll be immediately successful, but success is not guaranteed, but you will be. Um, <laughs> but then you can spend maybe a hundred dollars in books and use the internet and you'll get the exact same thing. If not better, you go to half price books, get yourself some good business books, solid business books with good advice and you'll get the exact same thing. if not better. And it's a vicious cycle really of these entrepreneurs where they, they claim, they claim to be rich and successful and they'll rent a Lamborghini. Um, you mm-hmm. have photos, partying suits, watches, a bunch of material stuff that looks really cool. And then, but then they'll say, oh, well, I want to help you get rich too. You know, I was in your shoes too. You know, I was in debt. I was a poor guy. I was working a nine to five job. I was working a part-time job, but I want to help you. But I'll help you. I'll sell you my program, which makes sense, you know, if it works, but then really they're not actually as rich and successful as they claim to be. Um, and then at the end, they actually get rich from selling you these programs. And so they, they, yeah. they're, they're, it becomes reality for them. They actually do become rich. And at your expense, though. So then you're stuck with this program that barely. I mean, it's a product. It's not a pure ripoff, but it's like you could get you get it, you know, elsewhere for free or cheap, you know. And so not everyone's bad, you know. Some people do occasionally. I've seen some that actually do provide really good value, but others provide little to no value. And that's that's exactly what I'm parodying: is people that are they ask for obscene amounts of money, but they really don't provide anything. That's yeah. Uh, 
cool. Yeah, and I was saying, not not everyone's bad. Like, I've seen some yeah. occasionally good value, but some, I mean, they compile it together and they add some insight. And if some, if you think that's it, it gives you value, then yeah, go ahead. But you know, others provide little to no value, and that's exactly what I'm parodying. So, yeah. yeah, no, and they are they are extremely funny. I, if you guys can, please check it out. I literally laugh out loud at some of these videos when is when is your next video coming out uh, i'm working on editing it right now it's, it actually takes a lot of work because every video i do is completely off the cuff there's no script mm -hmm. i just go off so you'll have like 10 different takes and you have to pick the best one yeah so we're working on our next one i've kind of di di uh, digressed a little bit i've done a little bit of i've seen some new advertisements on youtube about stock advice and so that's some of my next parodying it's people that claim to be really good traders but you know it's they just i mean it's not as uh the quality isn't as high as you would expect you know it's just they just kind of give some you know generic advice and they have these tactics but you can just kind of figure them out on your own yeah um, yeah it's really interesting when i when i was making this you know i'd make these ridiculous claims you know i dropped out of kindergarten now i make six figures a month <laughs> see all these buzzwords you you have these nice cars you know big house but it's also kind of scary how convincing it is. And some of the videos we didn't use because they were too realistic. The oh, claims, wow. The claims weren't big enough. They were too reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> when I was talking, I'm like, this is actually believable. I can't, we can't use this. I need to make some crazy claim because people, I feel like someone might sue me because it's like, oh, you're, you're a real entrepreneur. You're lying. I'm like, no, this is a parody. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. And and I'd hope at least they they get from from the name like it you, it memer is in the name and yeah so, I hope <laughs> but but still like you said who knows some people might actually yeah think it's real because we've just been conditioned now and we've seen this yeah. so many times that you know unfortunately some people might see it and will be like yeah just take my money and like don't don't care so. They really sell the lifestyle. That's what really these these people do. They sell a I sent they sell a dream. Mm -hmm. Really. It's kind yeah. of sad. They sell a dream and that you they get you to buy into it and you want to be like them. And they say the only way to do that is if you follow my steps. Yeah. It, and it's it's really sad. A lot of a lot of people that do it, they're they're not the the people what really upsets me is not is not necessarily the fact that they're doing it, but it's the people who they target. They mm. target people that, you know, they feel like, you know, older people that have lost a lot of their money and they want to, they want to make money. So they, they sign up for these programs and they end up getting, and they end up losing all their money through these programs or they target younger people. Well, I, I have less remorse for it because I, I would hope they would be smarter, but they feel they try and they're trying to get ahead or trying to take a shortcut. And so they try doing these programs. So I'm sure someone has a program out there that works, but I mean, I don't, I have not seen a millionaire or a CEO that has used this program and succeed I, I i just haven't um you know bill gates doesn't do these programs you know warren buffett you know tim cooks those big or big industry titans they all did they all want they all did businesses themselves and so it's really surprising you know when you do you see these programs i don't see any high profile you know executives doing them i don't see any billionaires doing them mm -hmm. i just see people online that claim to be millionaires you know young people with a laptop on a beach in in asia claiming that they can yeah. work from home so there's really it's really um yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure someone, some people have succeeded, but I don't, I don't think it's worth it personally. I think it's misleading. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And so, thank you for peacefully protesting these entrepreneurs. <laughs> and yeah. here, here is to actual, authentic, and helpful business ideas, much yeah. like Agape Community, and much <laughs> like your other businesses going out. So, so yeah, no, it is great.
and so I guess lastly, John, just as we're, you know, wrapping up, I wanted to talk to you about our time at Macombs and as Macombs students. Uh, you and I both attended the business school at UT, and it is a very interesting experience that I don't think a lot of people really know about or understand. Yeah. Uh, and they kind of just see what's on the outside. And sometimes, you know, they stereotype, you know, business students. Like, and most of the times there are some truth, you know, to those stereotypes here or there. Um, but I kind of just, yeah, wanted to to talk to you a little bit about that. And I guess first off by saying, what would you say is people's perspective on Macombs in particular and the students? People's perspective from the outside. It's, it's hard for me to have that as I'm an insider. Yeah. Um, but it's really, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, it's just, they just know it as Macombs. You know, there's obviously that stereotype of snakes. But I think most people, it's just, it's just business school, really. I mean, they, it's just another mm-hmm. university, uh, college in the university. You know, mm-hmm. they, say, they say it as a tougher one. They might see, oh, um, I've heard this from people. It's like, oh, it's actually like, you guys aren't actually like doing work because yeah. classes are really easy. And there, there's some reality to that. I mean, Macombs doesn't have classes on Fridays. Yeah. Um, and I've seen some of the work, like my engineering friends are doing. They're, they're staying up. They've got these crazy two-hour labs. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm good. I, I don't want to do that. So yeah. there, there is some, there is some reality to that where they say business is, I guess, um, from an outsider's like outsider students' perspective, business is, is just an easy major. It, it is tough, I'll, I'll, but I will say, yeah, a lot of majors do require a ton more work. But I guess Macombs can be hard if you're not really passionate about business. And I guess the same goes for people who are in engineering or in other key places, like maybe trying to study to be doctors or biologists they're really passionate about what they do hopefully and so we're doing the work isn't as hard for them they're actually genuinely interested in the subject so it's not as much work as you perceive it to be so people you know i perceive engineering to be hard and it's probably hard but maybe to them it's not as hard so mm. yeah but, no but then from a corp- corporation's perspective they really people really respect mccombs mccombs is a great reputation not just in Texas, but around the world. And that's one of the reasons I picked UT. Uh, companies, you say UT Macombs, UT Austin, and you, you talk about the school and people listen. They, they'll listen. I mean, maybe with some higher companies, it's a little t- harder because you're fighting against IVs and other big state schools. But wrong, medium, even top tier companies, it, Macombs has weight. The name has weight. Yeah. No, exactly. And I would say I, my idea of people outside perspectives on macombs is similar that yeah there is kind of that oh you guys' classes are just easy y'all probably are just playing golf all the time you know and it's (laughs) like you know yeah what are you contributing you know y'all are snakes but no yeah i mean i think um but there is still some respect to it you know from outside businesses and to you know around the school i think a lot of people are just you know making fun and just poke you know poking fun yeah, at one not, another it's um yeah at the end of the day it's a respectable institution yeah i mean it's a it, it's respected in macombs they just poke i mean they poke fun at it because you know you just have to like you know you want to be the top one like engineering says they're the hardest i'm sure macombs says oh we're the, the people that are like the most respected so yeah <laughs> yeah so but but being on the inside i would say like you do run into those people who are, are maybe just there just to make money and like that's their goal. But I would say like I, in my time at McCombs, I met a lot of people who 
really were passionate about making a difference in like the world and in the business. And, you know, as you, you know, your three ideas that you were talking about, I mean, helping high school students prepare for college, you know, thinking about, you know, a fast food uh, kiosk in order to get people food faster. So they have more times to, to accomplish their dreams rather than worry about, you know, getting a meal and then agape community, you know, putting people in touch uh, and meeting outside of simply, you know, their interface on an app. I think there really is like a lot of good stuff. Like I'm, yeah, I am proud to be like a Macomb student, you know, and work with such great people. Like I think there's some, some really great people who are doing some great things. Yeah. From the inside, Macomb's has a very unique culture. at Macombs, it's, I, I, I like to say it's easy to be average in Macombs, but it's hard to be extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, you have to separate yourself from the wolf pack there. You know, it's a top business school. Um, everyone's very talented. It can be very competitive. And so you can do, it's easy to get that B, but to really um, excel and really show, um, shine out among everyone, you really have to be, um, really have to be at the top of your game. And so I know a lot of people in Macombs suffer from imposter syndrome. And that's something mm-hmm. that I, I can see that really easily. You know, you have so many people doing so many things. You know, I have, you know, people that are starting their own businesses, working for NGOs. Um, they're out there. Um, they're lobbyists. They're, they're politicians. They're already like working in politics. Um, they're already trading stocks. They're already, you know, they're already in investment banking. They're doing all these amazing things and they're just students. So it's hard. Sometimes you do have that imposter syndrome, but at the end of the day, everyone there is really talented and has the, I guess, the potential to do great things in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, with snakes, yeah, you'd have to be, you'd have to be naive to not believe there are no snakes. But I, yeah. I feel like every, I mean, I feel like everyone in Macombs has, has a little bit of snake to them. It just depends <laughs> how much. Uh, but Daily Texan had this really great article on, I guess, the types of snakes in Macombs. Or everyone's a snake. We have like the corn snakes, where they don't really do anything. Like they're friendly. They just kind of do their thing. But then you have like different levels of snakes and different venoms. <laughs> so definitely check that out. Uh, but Macombs also has remarkable, I guess, remarkable people. So amazing faculty. Um, the alumni network is incredible. Um, people that will be the, the next leaders in their field, future business leaders of tomorrow, really. Like the, peop- the guy that's sitting next to you on your group project might be the next, might be a major investment banker. Uh, the guy across from you in the hall that you pass could be a big private venture dude. Um, the two guys that you, the, the, I guess the people you hang out with, some of them, some of your friends that when you eat lunch with, they might be some top economists. And that's just Macombs, but even around UT, you'll have Nobel Prize winners, people really shaping and changing the world, not just in Texas, but the whole world. And so that's something that's really remarkable about Macombs and UT. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think, yeah, there, there definitely is, not just in Macombs, but UT, there is a sense of, it, it is easy to have imposter syndrome. And I think to that, one of the things I always just say and think about is like, you know, like not everyone was like the president of their organization, you know, not everyone who has a job now, like had a startup by age, you know, 14 or not everyone dropped out in kindergarten and now is making six figures, you know, as your entrepreneurial (laughs) memer page. Uh, But, but, you know, there are still jobs, there's still opportunities out there for everyone. And, you know, you can make a difference in the world just by being you. And so I'm, yeah, I'm excited. To see I, I, I tell people not to compare themselves to other people, but really just compare yourself to yourself. That should really be your metric. Are you doing what you want to do? Are you where you want to be? 
Um, you know, it doesn't really matter if every, I know McCombs is really big into finance and accounting. So they call us the McClones. You know? <laughs> yeah. 40% of people go into account, uh, not accounting finance. Mm-hmm. And so people, they expect you, Oh, go into investment banking or consulting or, uh, financial, become a financial analyst. But there are a lot of other smaller niche positions in, in the business world that you can do. So like supply chain is something that gets overlooked a lot. Marketing, like it sometimes gets, um, you know, sometimes they, you know, they make fun of it, but it is a, those are critical roles. Marketing, international uh, business is also uh, something that yeah. you can look at. There's some, there's a MIS, which is getting really hot, which is something that people are doing. And there's a lot of smaller ones that I, I'm definitely missing. Like there's a, there's a new one. It's like a master's, like a program where you would go in as a, as a fresh, uh, not a freshman, as an undergrad and you get like a master's in science and technology. So you do you do work, uh, do an engineering track, but also a business track. I'm not sure the exact program, but yeah, they also have that. So there's a lot of smaller programs. So just do really what you're passionate about, you know, yeah. just end up where you, where you want to go, where you want to be. Yeah. Be the no. best at it there. <laughs> I agree. Yes. Yes. I agree. Well, great. Well, John, I just want to end this podcast with one question. This question was asked to me on my first episode of hanging with Haney by my friend, Erica, she asked me this question that I want to ask you, which is, if you were to go on Shark Tank in front of all the sharks in America and the rest of the world watching at home, what business idea would you pitch to the sharks? Oof, it's a tough one. I, I think I would pitch the, the all right dining for them. I mean, I think it has a lot of potential in that it's scalable. You could have one kiosk, you'd have multiple kiosks, and it does have a high capital costs at the beginning but if you're able to to launch it i guess through a whole region or maybe nationwide you get a lot of machines at once you're able to lower your cost by doing it in bulk and be able to grow a brand and so drive demand you know branding it in a way marketing it well you know the novelty of it being a fully automated i guess essentially a restaurant without staff i think that's something that would really impact it be uh be impactful in the markets especially in higher density areas like new york or California, uh, LA, San Francisco, where space is limited. If you can just put this on a street corner and just sell hot food right there and then uh, to people without staff, you know, just deliver food. Maybe you could, you know, contract with local stores and actually sell their food through your kiosk, but just rebrand it. Um, and you'll be able to also change the menu on a, on a whim, you know, instead of, you know, the kitchen, you, 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 have, to, you have a restaurant, you got to buy the plates, you got to buy the tables and chairs, hire the staff. This is a machine. I could just change it in you know, in a few days I could have, you know, I'm selling Mexican food one day, I'm going to sell Italian food the next day. So I think there's a big opportunity for that. Nice. Nice. Well, sounds, sounds good. Uh, I can't wait to invest uh, and get in on it. And I can't, (laughs) can't wait to hopefully one day see it out on the street. So that'll be great. So, well, John, just as we wrap up here, I want to give you just the opportunity to, uh, you know, say to the people listening at home, you know, anything that's going on in your life, shout out anyone or any business uh, project. So the floor is yours. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say a few things. Um, the first thing I guess I want people to just leave people with is that there's really no substitute for hard work. Um, definitely work hard, smarter. You know, don't, you don't have to work harder, but, you know, be efficient. But really, there is no substitute for it. To really excel in your field, you have to be disciplined and dedicated to stand out. Um, you know, shortcuts, they might, you know, you might be effective in the short term, but really in the long term, it's ineffective, you know, to be at the top of your field, you really want to master the material you you're, you're learning and be able to apply it 
you know, in different areas, maybe not even just in business, but just in life in general. And with that, you know, you have to be patient because, you know, at the end of the day, if you look at a lot of millionaires that made their money or business uh, or titans of industry or business leaders in the world, they, they worked hard. They did, they did what had to be done to get to where they are. You know, maybe, maybe they started out rich, but they became, they were able to keep on being successful by actually working hard, by actually, you know, putting in the work, you know, not taking shortcuts. They actually did the work that they were supposed to do and they were able to achieve the results they wanted. And I guess the second thing I would leave people with is that um, I, I'm sure everyone's heard this, but luck is preparation plus opportunity. Uh, really seizing the opportunity when it comes, like seizing opportunities when they do show up. You know, I mean, you might only have one chance in your life to ever do it. You know, a lot of turning points in people's lives have been decided by just seizing an opportunity, you know, taking a leap of faith, you know, and you want to be ready for that. You know, I know a lot of people ask me how, you know, I can travel a lot, you know, as a student during the school year. And I tell them it's really because I recruit with companies that want exceptional talent and they have these programs that will cover travel and you get to learn about the company and you potentially, you know, get an offer with them and you also travel, but being able to seize those opportunities, you know, these, these opportunities are open to everyone, you know, just no one, you know, you just have to see, you have to go out and seek these opportunities or they'll come find you and you, you have to be the one to take them. And you really don't want to, you, you don't want to end up regretting not doing something that you could have done because you weren't, you weren't essentially prepared. You know, uh, I know someone out, I heard this from someone, but they asked me, you know, what is the richest place on earth? And I said, uh, I don't know, Dubai, New York, uh, Hong Kong. And they said, well, it's actually the graveyard. And I was like, why? Like, what do you mean? And it's like, well, it's, it's full of unfulfilled dreams, you know, wasted talents, you know, adventures never taken, you know, lives not lived. And that is, that is the greatest, I guess, um, I guess the greatest, the worst thing that you can ever uh, end up doing is having a life where you ended, you ended up not doing what you really wanted to do, you know, wasting your life, you know, doing something that you didn't love. So I guess that leads to my final point, which really is, you know, find something you love to do, be passionate about it. You know, you only have one life, you know, don't do, don't spend it doing something you hate. You know, don't choose a career just because of money. You know, you might have fresh from your parents, society, peers, but at the end of the day, it's your life, you know? I mean, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Um, but at, in the, the same thing should go for everyone else too, you know? If you want to be, I don't know, an artist, you know, go ahead and do it. As long as you really love to do it, you know, hopefully you're not, you know, taking the easy way out. But be the best artist that you can be. Or if you want to be, you know, take a, I don't know, be a carpenter, you know, be a plumber, you know, instead of pursue these different uh, career paths, go ahead and do that, you know? But just really enjoy, make sure you enjoy it, that you really love doing it. Like I have friends that came from my high school. I know a lot of people went to college, but some people went off and ended up doing carpentry work and they love it. You know, it's an honest wage and it's an honest living and they just love that lifestyle, you know, and you have to respect them for that. But yeah, that's what I would leave everyone off with. Nice, nice. Well, John, thank you so much for your words of wisdom and yeah. your memes and yeah, just all that you do, man. Thank you for coming on the show. So we'll go ahead and sign off here. So John... Thank you again, and to everyone at home. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. All right. To everyone listening at home, take care. We'll catch you next time.